Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today uh, we are finishing up the our series um, that we just have referred to as The Good Fight. And we kicked it off Easter Sunday, celebrating the truth that Jesus won the ultimate good fight. Jesus is the one who went to battle for us. That is what the cross, the, his burial, his resurrection is all about. That Jesus won the ultimate victory, but yet we get to be called more than conquerors. Jesus did the conquering, but scriptures refer to us as more than conquerors because of what he has accomplished for us. But with that, even though Jesus won the good fight, the scriptures let us know um, that it's not that we're not in this place where all of a sudden we're completely uninvolved and unengaged in this. That is not remotely true at all because in this world, there's trouble. Jesus said that. And so what we're to do is to be able to move through this world where we'll see God's blessings in our lives. And and we have that as an option because God is there and he is with us. Um, But also that there's still the fallen world and our own obstinance and the, the hurt and the pain that others bring into our lives and then the direct attacks of the enemy and in dealing with all of the mess. And our fight is to hang on to the truth that Jesus has won the good fight and for us to stand in faith, understanding that he's with us and that he's won it and for us to walk in the victory that he has already provided. That is the good fight. And so if you've got you, you've grabbed the bulletin that was left for you on the seat or maybe you're following along on digitally that we've left with left off with this idea that no one has ever fought for you like Jesus. That's the beauty of the, the story of the resurrection and, and the crucifixion. It's Jesus fighting for us. But with that, us hanging on to that, we've been looking at 1 Timothy 6, 12, which tells us to fight the good fight of faith. And remember, a good fight is a fight you win. Nobody references a fight that you lose as a good fight. No, that was one you, you want to, to have a do-over. You want to be able to, to, to be the victor in that thing. No, so the good fight of faith is a fight that's already been won, but we have to walk it out by faith. So fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And as we've looked at different aspects of this verse, and we've looked at the good confession of what's coming out of our mouths, we, we've looked at these different truths of using the weapons that God has given us, the, the weapon of the word, the, the armor of God. But today we're to t- reminding us to take hold of eternal life. And eternal life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus. It's not when you close your eyes for the last time on this planet and somehow step into eternal life. The scriptures tell us that eternal life is to know God. 
So as soon as we acknowledge who he is and what he's done in our lives and, and that new life has come along, we've, we are growing in eternal life right now. You are living in eternal life right now. You still have this physical shell and at some point you'll be done with that. And the scriptures have this beautiful language for that when it says that, that references our physical death, that mortality, our, our, our ability to die gets swallowed up by life. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we have to recognize that eternal life means that this is, that everything that lies in the future, God has got it. And the thing that rocks us in fighting the good fight of faith the most is the future. It's the future. The future freaks us out. And if we didn't already, we had problems with the future in 2018. When we dial it back to 2018, we had problems with the future. It freaked us out. In 2019, it bothered us. In 2020, since then, we don't even know anymore. We're like, we just don't even know. Like, we're living through stuff. Like, there was nobody could tell us. Our grandparents couldn't go, oh, yeah, we did that. No, you didn't. So you didn't get sequestered in your house. You didn't have to work remote. You didn't have to teach your kids and somehow log into some parent portal and have to sit. You didn't have to do all that. It was just, it was crazy. You didn't have to actually punch people to get toilet paper. And then you didn't have to years later trade toilet paper for gasoline. You didn't have to do that. And it was just it was just crazy, and all of that stuff has just made us. And we, we've always, the future's always creeped us out. But man, over the last couple of years, it's like, what's next? What's next? And it really can begin to come in and settle in our souls and create this instability within us when the truth is, is that the body of Christ throughout the millenniums have honestly seen a lot more uncertainty than we've seen. Seen a lot more things go sideways and unexpected. And the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit and the promises of Jesus carried them through it and it'll carry us through it. But the tension we feel within our souls to worry and to be wound up about what lies ahead, it's universal. We run into this everywhere. And so with this taking a hold of the eternal life, which that understanding is that God has got us in his hand forever. And that should be the greatest source of peace. But with this, how do we, we fight the good fight? Well, we fight the good fight one day at a time. We do it one day at a time. Praise God, that's the way it comes to us. It comes to us moment by moment, breath by breath, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. We deal with it one day at a time. And as we'll see that we have grace, not for tomorrow's stuff. We have grace for walking things out today. Whenever I came here to go to uh, Angelo State and man, I, I uh, soon just began to, God just began to stir within me a, uh, a hunger uh, for him and began to really own my relationship with God on a real personal basis. My parents had always grown, 
trained me and, and had me in church and, and um, had demonstrated their own relationships with God um, in our home. Um, and so I had that heritage, but at some point, you, you've got to own it for yourself. And so in those first couple of years in college, I was, was stepping into that space and really beginning to own my relationship with God and, and knew I needed some friends and knew I needed some people to, that I was not called to do this alone. That was thankfully one of the first truths that really sprung alive in me was that I desperately needed other believers in my life. And it's been true then, it's true now, and it always will be true. And so through some different connections and friendships, God got me connected with a fantastic church, with a wonderful, vibrant college and career ministry, and got me connected with uh, some really phenomenal people, which were just instrumental in my life as I was a young adult, um, which is one of the reasons young adult ministry is such a big deal to us. And I'm so thankful to have a vibrant young adult ministry here um, at Celebration Church because so many life trajectory decisions are made during the, that, that space between 17 and 27. And man, it's just so many big decisions are made in that space. And so I got connected with a, a wonderful, vibrant um, young adult ministry, college and career ministry. And we had a, a pastor, Pastor Bob Long, who was just full of fire and excitement. And then, you know, if you've got young people thinking about serving God for their entire lives, well, then this word of destiny kept coming up. And so and Pastor Bob would, would talk about destiny and, and talk about these things. And man, it gets you fired up understanding this idea that, man, God has something in store for your life. It's, it's invigorating. It's exciting. But then on the backside of that, as you begin to think it out and go, oh, my gosh, God's got this great plan for my life. And man, and here I am, just a total goofball college student trying to figure this out. What if I blow it? What if I mess it up? And this thing that should have just been inspirational as I began to overthink it and overanalyze it, it began to weigh on me. And just this idea that, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess my destiny up. And I mean, I had no idea this was in my future. Um, at this point, I had no idea like ministry was in my future. I just, I'm just knew God was in my future. And so, and, and man, it's just weighing heavy on me. And it got to the point that I'm just like, Lord, I, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess this up. And then I started just getting so anxious over it. And finally, in a place of prayer, the Holy Spirit just gently reminded me that, Brandon, your, your destiny in me is the life that will exist as you trust me with each day of your life. You trust me with each day of your life and it gets built. It gets created one day at a time. It's not this great, big, huge thing that God drops this huge thing in your lap. That's one of the, that's one of the difficult things of having vision for your life. You see where it might go and then all of a sudden it begins to feel too big and too heavy. Well, guess what? If, if your vision is something you feel like you can do on your own, it's not a vision from God. It's not. If you look forward over the next five, 10 years and you feel like you can kind of handle it, um, you need to go back and ask God what he has planned for you. 
because you've not consulted what he has planned for you because his plans are bigger than you can do on your own. His plans are so big, you need him. His, this call on your life is so big, you need him. And guess what? There is not an expiration date on this. You don't hit some magic number and you retire in the kingdom of God, okay? That all of a sudden, wow, all my days were ahead of me. All my destiny was behind me. It is not true. Man, there is destiny on your life if there is breath in your lungs. But it's lived one day at a time. And we can so get freaked out about it. And I love that the, that the writer, Paul, writing to Timothy, when we have his, the first letter, we just read out of 1 Timothy. And he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. When he writes his second letter to Timothy, and Paul is at the end of his life. Now, let's get this. Paul's not an old man by any means. Paul is in his early 60s at this time. He's not an old man. But at this point, he sees that, that his time on this planet is done. And he's comfortable with it. He's at peace with it. And he writes the same verbiage back to his number one son in the faith. And let's look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. He writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of those things. And then Paul can sit there confidently at the end of his life, say, I have fought the good fight. I've done that. God has called us to, to live our lives for him and to finish strong, to finish strong. Paul is not being escapist. Paul is not quitting. Paul recognizes that he has planted tons of churches, made tons of disciples, and his time on this planet is done. And yes, guess what? I want everybody I love to live a lot longer than their early 60s. I want, uh, the, but guess what? Paul, Paul, Paul knew his time was done and he was good with it and he is excited and he later on he says there awaits for me a crown of glory and he was ready for it and guess what Paul doesn't sit there and die sweetly in his sleep and breathe his last no there's an executioner's axe comes down on his neck and removes his head from his body he does not die of some sort of natural causes. He is executed for his faith. He is executed for it. But he was completely at peace in that space. He had fought the good fight. He had lived his life for Jesus. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied to him, well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here's the good thing is that it's what we step from one place of calling and destiny into a whole nother eternal calling and destiny. It's not that one day when we're done with this body, we're going to go to, to heaven and we're going to float on clouds and play the dumb little harp thing. If we're going to play an instrument, let's let it be electric guitar. Let's, let's, let's screaming on that thing. Let's do that. 
if we're going to do, if we're going to be, no, we're not even going to be doing that, man. We're, 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 we're going to be entering in to ruling and reigning with God. We're going to be living our lives out for eternity. That's why we've got palaces and homes and all of those different things, streets and all the stuff. You see a city, a heavenly city, because there's going to be things we're going to interact with one another and interact with God in such a beautiful, perfect, sinless way, the way God had originally built for it to be. And we're going to step into the fullness of who we are but while we're on this planet, we're to begin to move towards that and living that out one day at a time. See, trusting God with all our days is how we fight the good fight today. How we fight the good fight today is by living out and trusting him with all our days, that our future is firmly held in his hands. Uh, I didn't get permission, Roger. Uh, to share this, but uh, I'm going to take some liberties. And uh, I had the privilege yesterday of doing a memorial service uh, for a wonderful man of God. Uh, died at uh, 91 years old, uh, Wayne Henson. Um, he had uh, come and uh, connected um, and would fellowship with us uh, from time to time, he'd be sitting back there at the tables near the near the restrooms, and uh, his uh, son and daughter-in-law have been a strong part of our church for a long time. And Wayne uh, was a part of the church that I mentioned um, that had that vibrant college and career ministry, and uh, we ended up living on the same street when Cutie and I bought our first house. Wayne and his wife Florence lived just a couple of blocks down. Uh, the same street from us, and uh, Wayne and his wife um, were just w wonderful believers. Uh, part of the church uh, opened their home for for small group, supported missions, just were generous, wonderful believers. And this past Easter, in fact, when we started this series on Easter Sunday, uh, Wayne Henson um, was having his last breaths on this planet at 91 years old. And um, I tell you this story um, because his son Roger got to be with him and, and it was Easter and his, his dad was, you know, very, uh, you know, was aware. And so Roger read to him out of the scriptures, the story of the, the crucifixion his burial and the resurrection and read to his dad one more time the Easter story there at his bedside. And one of Wayne's favorite prayers was the Lord's Prayer. And so after reading and celebrating the power of the resurrection, then prayed the Lord's Prayer over him. And very shortly after, Wayne breathed his last breath and stepped into the full reality of that resurrection stepped into the full reality of that. And folks, how beautiful is that to live your life for Jesus in awareness all the way up to the last minute, all the way up to the last minute. And the peace that was in that room and the peace that was in that space was because the man had lived each day 
for his Savior, had lived each day, had his eyes on the resurrection, even as his physical body was, was ending its use, he was embracing his eternal life, taking hold of that eternal life. Folks, that is what we're called to do when we live, when we trust him with all our days. Man, the future is squarely in his hands. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, So we with confidence, say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can the mortality of this life do? God's my helper. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And every time I come to this scripture and talk about it, I think of the fact that if Brandon Clark was writing this, I'd have said, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's the way we talk. Well, we did this yesterday, and we did this today, and we're going to do this tomorrow. But I'm so thankful that that is not the language, that it's not tomorrow language. It is forever language. Because the truth is, is that it's one of those things, if we think about trusting God with the, our tomorrow, and God, God's telling us, I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. Don't worry about that fret. Don't worry about that little point of anxiety. I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. That would bring up maybe a little bit of peace. But that's not the language of who he is. He took care of it yesterday. He took care of it today. And he will take care of it forever. It just hits different when you understand that the Holy Spirit isn't sit, sitting there telling you, oh, guess what? That thing that you're concerned about, oh, I'll take care of that tomorrow. No, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to take care of that forever. I'm going to handle that forever. Man, that just hits completely different. Then it's not like, okay, well, man, oh, yeah, you got tomorrow's. Well, but about the, about the next day, the next day. No, he's going to handle it forever. It's not that he's going to walk with you tomorrow. He's going to walk with you forever. It's not that he's going to forgive you tomorrow. He's going to forgive you forever. It's not that he's going to love you tomorrow. He's going to love you forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We look at the scriptures. This, this said, we, we look at what our, the, those who had gone before us have done. What, what God did yesterday matters. What he did yesterday matters because it gives us faith for today, knowing that he is going to handle it forever. That is how we engage with this. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We started this whole conversation out with the truth and the understanding that over the last few years, our concern about tomorrow has been dialed up higher than ever. Okay, so many times people who, as we're called to be believers, when we feel, this, feel ourselves getting anxious, we feel like we've already lost. That as people of faith, that if anxiety comes in, I, I, I've already lost the battle. I'm feeling anxious. I'm already lost. See, that, that is a, that's a lie from the enemy. He's trying to get you to own that anxiety. 
He is trying to get you to pocket that and keep it and say, oh, yeah, I guess I already lost. I have anxiety. Here it is. I've got it right here with me. I carry it with me everywhere I go. No, the scriptures understand that anxiety is going to show up sometimes. The scriptures, there's not a failure because a little point of anxiety shows up in your life. The failure happens when we begin to own it because we're not called to own it. We're called to cast it. We're called to move it along. The scriptures say, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When anxiety shows up on your doorstep and it's going to cast it on to him. Why? Because he's going to love you forever. He's going to handle it forever. He is the God of forever. And because he cares for you, you can take that anxiety and you can put it on to him. That is what we're called to do with it. We feel like when it shows up in our lap, we, there's nothing we can do with it. There's, it's just ours. I've already messed up. I'm already anxious. No, put it on to him. James 4, 13 says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go and do, go to this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make some money. Why do you not, even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. See, this passage of scripture isn't saying two things. First, it's not saying that planning is bad. It's not. It's saying that all of a sudden, feeling like you have a solid grip on everything that's going to unfold, that's bad. How many times did we just totally unwind because things did not go the way we wanted them to go? How many days have been absolutely ruined because you had that day mapped out perfectly and then something happened and it totally went awry and now you are completely jacked over? Tons of it all the time. We're like, no, this is supposed to be like this. And then something happens, and it doesn't go the way we want it to go. We need to leave some space for the truth that we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what it looks like. So leave some space for that. And saying, you know what, if I, this is what's on my heart, this is what we want, if God's will, then let's, let's move forward. And it's, so it's not saying that planning is wrong. Saying is leave some space for God to be able to do what God does, which is do some suddenlies, bring some unexpected things along, open some doors you thought were shut, shut some doors you thought were open, be God in your life, leave some room for God to be God. It's not that you don't plan, it's that you plan with God in mind, going, guess what? This is where I think this is going, but hey, you know what? God's God. He may do something completely unexpected. And you know what? And I'm going to leave room for that to take place. And so as we're dealing with this, as we're dealing with the tomorrow, leaving room, making space, normally we create extra tension in our lives by misusing tomorrow in two different ways. And they're both the different ways that you create tension. You create tension by two different things, by pushing or by pulling. That's the way we create tension. And we create tension in our own lives with tomorrow by pushing and pulling. 
The first one that we do is by pulling. We sit there and we create tension by pulling all of tomorrow into today. That all of a sudden we want to have all the answers, we want to have all the fixes, we want to have all the plans, and we grab all of that and we pull it into today. And tomorrow is not called to be dealt with today. Today is. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. The only thing that can take place with pulling tomorrow into today is worry. That's it. That's the only thing. You try to do that, that's what's going to happen. You pull it in and you're going to create worry. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, well, worry about itself. There's issues there. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's the part that bothers us. We don't like trouble. Remember, all through this series, we've talked about Jesus' favorite promise. Everybody has it tattooed on their arms. You got to go to get one scripture tattooed. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. Everybody gets that one, of course. No, nobody gets that one. They get what he said before. It says, in me, you will have peace. That's what they get tattooed. Well, why do we need to be reminded that we get that, that in him we'll have peace? Because of what follows in this world, you're going to have some trouble. He's like, it's, it happens. And so guess what? If we allow him and trust him with today, he has got tomorrow as well. Just mess my notes up. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 22. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? You can't add a single hour by worrying. Now, medical science tells us we can pull hours off our lives by worrying. Worry can add all sorts of extra unnecessary toxins and stuff into our lives and be the root of so many different diseases and things in our lives, but it's certainly it's not going to add anything to our lives Corey Tim Boone, who uh, two of my children did uh, studies on and did a little live museum and got dressed up by, as Corey um, for their school. Um, her and her father um, and her sister opened their home there um, in the Netherlands to be able to uh, allow Jews who were escaping the Nazis to be able to come and hide in their room. I, I suggest if you're not familiar with her story to, um, to look on one of your streaming services and find the movie, The Hiding Place. Uh, it's an old movie made in the 70s. It's The Hiding Place and it has her story and it's, it's an amazing, compelling story. And they were believers 
who believed that it was their job to save as many lives as possible and put their own lives on the line to be able to hide these uh, Jews. And they saved scores and scores uh, of these lives by hiding them in this space. And eventually they were found and eventually placed in a concentration camp. And, and uh, her sister uh, died in a concentration camp. Her father died in a concentration camp. And she eventually was released and uh, was honestly released by a clerical error. Um, she was honestly supposed to have been sent off and to be um, ex- to be executed, and they released her by accident. And she has shared her story, had shared her story uh, for the rest of her life, and she lived to 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 be a, into her 80s. And this was her take on everything that she had walked through and everything that she had done. She said, "Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid." to trust an unknown future to a known God. This is one of the beautiful outcroppings of our core assignment here is to help you to know God better and to trust him more. Because as you know him, all of a sudden the power of the uncertainty of tomorrow begins to just diminish as the certainty of who he is and his love begins to grow in your, in your mind. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, tells us this, that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So as we look about tomorrow, there's this place that it's not that we abdicate our responsibilities for tomorrow. The Proverbs book of wisdom tells us that a good children, good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, not just one generation, but two generations down the, down the line. Well, guess what? This isn't a tomorrow mindset. This is a forever mindset. You and I can begin to live a multi-generational calling and a multi-generational mindset, not being worried about tomorrow, but understanding that if Jesus doesn't come back, then our future generations are going to be there, and we want to be a part of imparting the truth of who Jesus is and, and helping to, to carry resources and blessings forward. That is not a tomorrow mindset. That is a forever mindset. And then the next piece you create tension is not just by, by, by pulling, but it's by pushing. And we push when we push today's fights into tomorrow, it compounds tomorrow's fights. When we pull into today, when we pull tomorrow's fights into today, we complicate today. But when we push today's into tomorrow, when we don't deal with what we need to deal with today, we compound tomorrow's issues. Proverbs uh, 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. There is this space where so many times it's, this is not just about having borrowed somebody's lawnmower and they come to get it and you're like, nah, come tomorrow. You know, if somebody's, you know, you've borrowed, you know, somebody's rake and they want to borrow it, they want it back. And you're like, no, this is, this has implications that it may not be something physical, that we need to deal with. It's a lot of times it's something 
It's something emotional. It's something relational. It's something spiritual. Because a lot of times what we put off are the things that are not the things we need to give back, but the things we need to say. That sometimes there's an apology that needs to be given. They were like, ah, I'll deal with that tomorrow. There's a thank you that needs to be given, and we think, ah, I'll deal with that tomorrow. There's something that's in our possession, an apology, a thank you, a, 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 an opportunity, and we push that till tomorrow. And sadly, there's a handful of us in this space who have run out of tomorrows with some of our key relationships, and we wished we would have acted sooner with some of those thank yous, with some of those apologies, with some of those conversations. And the scriptures tell us, go ahead, deal with today's stuff today. Don't push it out into tomorrow. Deal with today's stuff today. We won't have time to get into it as we're wrapping up here this morning, but there's a space there in Exodus where Pharaoh, the plague has come and there's frogs. There's a ton of frogs and Moses comes to him and, and after they've requested that these frogs go and, and uh, Moses says, okay, God's given it to you to, deter, to say the day that these frogs, this plague of frogs ends. And for whatever reason, the scriptures don't let us know why. The Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Have it end tomorrow. For whatever reason, the Pharaoh chose one more night with the frogs. And it says the frogs were jumping into their kneading bowls and the frogs were jumping into everything. There wasn't a place that wasn't invaded with frogs. And Pharaoh had the authority to say, God said, did you set the time and we'll, I'll end this plague. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. How many times have you and I spent one more night with the frogs? Let's make sure that we go ahead and deal with today with what we need to deal with today. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.